And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 178. 178. Ryan, uh, something happening tomorrow. I forgot what it was. Um, nothing too big or important. Uh, look at my notes here. What, what was it? What, what, what do we have going on? Like, are we choosing uh, like people Choose, at school? Well, the board podcast or? comes out on Tuesday. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big. The podcast news. comes out on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. No, I we're here, man. It is finally here. Golly, we've been talking about this moment for at least a year now. Just waiting to get here to see what was going to happen because this time a year ago, I was about this. Uh, I was on a call the other day about China stuff, and they brought up that the Bush China conference was a year ago. So that was last week. So last week I was crowned, you know, the international champion of diplomatic relations with China, of course. Um, and um, then you know I went to Nicaragua and. I went to China. So that was all happening this time a year ago, which feels like a century ago now. But with that being said, you know, this time last year, we were sitting here going, okay, you know, you know Trump going to win? How much? Who's coming out of Democrats? You know, pretty strong uh, economy. Stuff. He looked pretty yeah. strong. It looked, it looked, it looked pretty formidable, uh, formidable. But yeah, there was definitely some thoughts. Well, maybe the Democrats get something going. But you felt like if you're a bet man, you had to bet last year especially after the Russian collusion stuff started to die down. Well, I guess the year. So I guess, I guess this time last year, we're going into the impeachment, which no one even talks about anymore, just for the record. Think about that. The impeachment ha- was happening. The, 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 the trial was happening. Pro yeah. Right. No one even talks about it anymore because that's how, that's how much, that's how much the Democrats believed in that, but they didn't even bring it up anymore. Um, and so we're, we're getting ready for that. And, um, you know, for the past well, 10 months, we've been talking about what's going to happen. And it's been a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie. It's been a roller coaster. Um, I have my official prediction at 269, 269, a tie of electoral votes. Um, and my, my rule is if you want to talk about it, I'm fine to talk about it, but you can't criticize unless you send in your electoral map for me to review before the election. Right. So I'm fine. But, you know, you, you, I said this out to my newsletter the other day. I was like, you know, if you want to send it in, fine, but you can't come in post election like, oh, you were so wrong. And I don't care. I, I can be wrong. That's, that's quite possible, but um, you at least got to put your card to the table publicly if you're going to enter to the fray. So, Josh, what is your official POTUS prediction? Official prediction. Uh, so, if you'd asked me this three weeks ago, I would have been leaning a little bit toward Biden. I just got to feel, as of today, I think I think Trump's going to. No, 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 no. See, you can't say you can't qualify that because you're going to say as of today. We don't record it next week, and next week you're like, "Well, I changed my mind." No, no, no. Oh, yeah, you yeah, gotta yeah. lock it in. You gotta well, lock so it in. I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling a Trump victory. Uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't like uh, mapped it out the exact numbers, but I'd say probably around three, three hundred electoral votes uh, for the Trump, Trump side. So, so not, not a big win, but. So uh, he had because so not as much as. Um, 2016. No, right. no, I don't. I think it'll be a little closer than than that one. Which that one was actually extremely close. But um, yeah, I, I would, I would, I, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to lose a couple of states. I think yeah, it's Florida. Really, I, I think he gets Pennsylvania. Go ahead. Uh, so it's 306 to 232 last time. So um, I have him losing Arizona, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan, which would flip it to 269, 269. So. Uh, but what were you say? Sorry, uh, I don't think he's going to lose Arizona. I, I I did see some numbers. Uh, it's possible. I, I think he keeps Arizona. 
I think uh, I think you're right on Michigan. I think that one's gone. I think Wisconsin. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. Um, Ohio and Florida is actually looking pretty good right now. I, yeah. Most people were worried about it, but. Well, I think you know. I wrote this week ago today, roughly. That you know, if you look at what's going on, it's really hard to get. So nothing would literally nothing would surprise me. Trump blow out, a Biden blow out, or anything between because it's 2020. And we just yeah, we ain't know. No one knows what's going on. But if you look at the actions that are being taken, there's a lot of contradictory things. And so Trump, on some level, reduced his campaign spend or cut it off or, or whatever end up saying the narrative was on that in Florida. Well, okay, if he does that, you know, losing Florida would be pretty detrimental to him. So you, oh, you have done. to think he feels pretty confident that, that Florida's in the back, okay? Um, and, and so that was interesting. But then it was the, the more interesting thing with that was is that he started putting a bunch of money in Minnesota or somebody in Minnesota. Well, the Republicans haven't won Minnesota since like 72, something like that. Okay, so is, is Minnesota now in play, really? Is it, maybe it is. I don't know. If Minnesota's in play, then Trump's about to just dominate this thing. It's just going to be – Really big, you, you would assume, right? Well, then you see Bloomberg is pouring money into Texas. It's like, okay, well, if Texas is in play, then screw Minnesota because Trump's about to get this destroyed. <laughs> so you, you look at all these moving parts and you try to start you know, synthesizing what is the, why are these actors doing the thing that they're doing? And Bloomberg might be more concerned about down elections, down about elections, not, not necessarily the, the presidency. Uh, maybe Trump is wrong about Florida. Maybe he's right. You know, you, you it's really hard for any of us to say we definitively have the answer. Um, you just try to start synthesizing these things and, and make the most sense of them. And, um, you know, the final thing I'll say is that, you know, 2016, people talked about Trump's campaign rallies, their sizes, their enthusiasm, and I dismissed that. It's hard to dismiss that this time when Biden has no one basically showing up to his. I'm not I mean, saying Hillary's the wasn't that bad. Wrong. Hillary's wasn't that small. I mean, they wasn't, right. they wasn't Trump size, but Biden right. has probably what, uh, 20th i mean yeah 10 yeah, well, and, and, and that's just that's just strategy i think too is you know because of the COVID stuff um i'm not sure you could draw a crowd without the COVID. we'll see you know but anyways um when you look at that you go okay well the polls are huge for biden they're saying he's gonna win you know gargantuanly uh but 2016 you have to at least question it I'm, so i'm i'm a little bit i think the the, the trump supporters uh, are a little bit over stating their position. And I think the, the, the Biden supporters are a little overstating their position. Um, but I do think that Biden flips those three states as a 269, 269 time. Listen, it's probably going to be wrong. I'm not, you know, but if I'm right, as I told you before we got on, I will be, I'll be more insufferable than ever. Like, it, you know, just be prepared. <laughs> well, um, yeah, 269 tie, that would be, that would be a way to really round off 2020. Um, it only makes sense, right? It, yeah, it really, I mean, it would be fitting. And it's only those three um, states. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It's only those three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Arizona. Everything else stays the same. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I, I don't think there's much of a chance. Uh, but, I mean, statistically, it's not that much of an outlier for those three states to flip. Uh, so, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I – Here's here's the real question. Will we know by the time we record? We record on Mondays. So will we know the answer to these questions by next Monday? That's the big question. Yeah, that's what I I, I hope they can just call it tomorrow. I hope they can call it and be done with it you know, tomorrow night. 
I'm no. here to accept the presidency. So if Biden and Trump don't want to do it, they're kind of old. I'm, well, I'm the next question is, how long are you willing to stay there? Not long. <laughs> not, not long. Not long. I'm gonna you better uh, board up your hotel room, bro. Yeah, I got some executive orders around tax mandates for me personally. It's a couple pardons I need to write myself, and then uh, have the Fed print me a few dollars, and I'm out of here. So it'd be pretty short lived. Well, uh, there are there was a couple of things that come out. Uh, I don't know who all has done some early voting, but. Uh, at the polls, I, I, I looked uh, on the Texas Railroad uh, Commission. Um, there, there was a was there a libertarian on the on the card? I believe so. I believe so. So I, I was very tempted to vote for that individual, but I was a little worried that all the money that that uh, I think Bloomberg was putting into and other Democrats was putting into the race that I didn't want to give too much of a chance to, <laughs> for the Democrat to to win the, the seats. I, I, uh, mm, I, there's a few times I really wanted to vote for the libertarian, you know, that's, uh, more so mm -hmm. what I, what I lean, but man, I just, it, it's hard to risk, uh, hard to risk the, it's, it's hard to risk let the really bad people in office really put the moderately bad ones in there. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah, I don't you know, I think it's interesting that listen. For, I want to say this: if the Democrat do, if the Democrat does get on the Railroad Commission, he still would be out. I think it's a guy. He'd still be out number two to three, right? Uh, uh, one to two, you know, two votes to one. Uh, and so, um, is it is it is it a lady? Uh, yeah, it is a lady. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I apologize. I thought it was, was a man. Uh, man's Republican, anyways. Uh, so it would still be. We still be you know outnumbered two uh, two votes to one, so you'd have that. The other thing is it would actually make the next election for railroad commission, which I think it's Wayne's if he's going to run again, he's up. It actually make that really meaningful now because now you have it to where if a Democrat wins, you know the next election, then the balance of power for the commission does shift, and it also means that you know a lot of these bad ideas and you know and the things that the railroad commission has been saying they got to tighten up on because they're one vote away from being, you know, a, a democratically held institution. And so uh, I'm not saying it's a good thing for a Democrat to win, but it does, it, 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 it would refocus, maybe could refocus some of the, um, the talking points and, and things that we've seen over the past, uh, you know, past time. And so, um, but I think, well, if Texas is in play, if Texas really is in play for Trump, then it's possible, right? Yeah, well, I I don't think uh, I don't think that it's in play right now. I think that it's a lot closer than it should be at this point in history. Like next election, uh, with the way things are going, Texas has a really good chance of flipping blue. And I think that the Democrat the Democratic strategy is going to be to really start uh, having more strategy with how they uh, to win Texas next next term. Uh, I don't think I don't think that it's really in play right now. If I'm wrong, then uh, it's, yeah. it, like you said, it's going to be an epic beatdown. But well, so I'd say this: so if the Trump supporters are right and Trump steamrolls Biden, it is worse than Clinton. It's bad, like it just steamrolls them. Then they're going to have the right to walk around with their chest poked out for for a little while. Mm -hmm. However. If they're wrong, they need to realize that 
the Trump narrative and a lot of stuff around the Trump narrative wasn't exactly the way that they have perceived it, much like a lot of people of the Obama supporters didn't perceive it. And so, you know, if you want to keep Texas a red state, you're going to have to do more than just wear your MAGA hat and say, you know, um, and say stuff like that moving forward. That's just simply not going to, to work. And so um, I think this will, you know, this, this can be interesting to see because we're going to have to know if, um, if people are, um, if they're right, you know, if, if they're right about Trump and, and all this, then, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're wrong, and it is, it is even if it's a close election and Trump wins Texas and he wins the presidency, I think you have to step back, okay, Texas is going blue if we don't do something, right? Because if the margin closes, but Trump wins, it's likely the next time he goes blue. So um, I think that's what yeah. folks in Texas, we have to watch out and see what happens. So um, we think about this, Ron. So Biden campaign, they were campaigning through Texas and uh, mm-hmm. some of the Trump uh, supporters uh, started gathering around the, uh, the, the bus, the Biden-Harris bus. And supposedly news came out that the FBI is looking into it um, and Biden is canceling two events that were, um, that were set for today. I think mm-hmm. it may have been Saturday. Mm-hmm. It may have been, it may have been over the weekend, but they were canceling two Texas rallies that they were having before the election Tuesday due to um, some of the Trump um, folks. And, and I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering how, how this is going to play because uh, I noticed you, you uh, took a video or not a video. You took a picture of uh, maybe it was a video of a bunch of businesses that were walled up in DC uh, getting ready for the peaceful protest if it doesn't go um, the right way. And I'm wondering <laughs> when we're going to see the reaction from some of the Trump side. Uh, I was wondering when we're going to see a reaction from their side. And this might be kind of the start of it. I mean, they're basically running the, the Biden campaign out, out of town or trying to intimidate them. And I'm not saying that's what they're doing. I haven't paid too much attention. That's just the way the narrative right. being well, the Right. So yeah. I, I'm very um, skeptical to comment on what does or doesn't happen in these things just because there's usually usually limited footage with um, not enough evidence to make a good, reasonable uh, guess. I've seen a couple of videos. Um, they were definitely driving around him, the, the bus doing whatever. So, you know, I, you know, what were they trying to do beyond that? I have no idea. Um, you know, how long did it go on? I, I, I don't know. Um, but I did see also in New York where some Trump supporters blocked a bridge yesterday. And so the media was coming out criticizing them for blocking a bridge. And it's like, to your point, Josh, the Trump supporters on some level are kind of mimicking, uh, not, not the peaceful, not the air quotes, people, peaceful protests, but they're getting a little bit more bold in, in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not being portrayed the same way. And, and, and that's what I, you know, I, I think I tweeted out yesterday, you know, I thought this was acceptable behavior to block roads because I've seen roads blocked all summer long. I've seen it, you know, all across the U.S. Roads being blocked by protesters, and now the Trump supporters are blocking roads, and people are all of a sudden like, "Oh no, you know, how dare them?" And some people are trying to distinguish it because it was something, you know, trying to encourage people to vote or whatever. And it's like, you know, no, back when the the protesters were blocking roads, y'all weren't trying to distinguish anything. You're not trying to distinguish anything here. You don't like Trump supporters, and and the, the concern, the real concern is. Is that you know if both sides kind of keep ratcheting it up, then that's um, that's a concern. So I, I don't know what happened there. Um, enough to say, but I, I did see a little bit of it. But 
it was definitely not covered the same way some of the other peaceful protests have been covered for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what's causing some of the frustration that um, I'm just, man, I'm, I, uh, we're, we're teetering on, on some, uh, some pretty serious infighting here. If um, both sides don't ratchet down. And I think um, you know, I, th- those people in DC, they're not boarding up if Biden wins, you know, they're, they're, yeah, they're, it's, they're not for, afraid. <clears throat> yeah. They're, yeah. They're not, they're not afraid of the, of the pro-life homeschooling mothers coming out and tearing down uh, the city. They're not afraid of those people. I don't think. No. Now <laughs> the, I would also say though, we're, uh, we're pushing it where the Democrats are not, uh, we're, they're, they're, we're pushing it to where if um, I don't know how much longer we have when a Democrat wins, the, a lot of people on the right won't make you want to board up your businesses, you know? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and I'm not saying they're going to necessarily uh, go to the businesses, but it it's going to get serious. And uh, I, I just hope that's why I hope that they call it tomorrow afternoon and uh, we can start getting back to some level of sanity. Uh, that would be, yeah. And I, I mean, I wrote a thing last week and uh, we'll get off the election. I know we've got the stuff about it, but I wrote a, uh, in the war newsletter, I wrote a, an article. And I basically just said, and I'll say to our listeners, if they do call it tomorrow night, understand that there's going to be people in your life who are going to be bewildered at what happened. And I'm assuming they're calling it. There's no shenanigans. Like it's a clear victory for one person or the other. There are going to be people, people bewildered. I've toured the country these past two weeks. I'm talking people who are going to be absolutely devastated and and stunned just like if it goes the opposite way of what you're thinking. So um, maybe for one day we should just, you know, call up a buddy that voted for Biden or voted for Trump or whoever loses or whatever. And just just talk to them, have it out because there are going to be people who, and and again, I'm thinking 269, 269 ties. So regardless of who wins, there's going to be a lot of people in this country who are just absolutely stunned that their candidate lost. And, um, to your point about moving forward, Josh, it would be nice to see, not to call and to say, oh, well, your candidate's great. No, I hope you win. I don't think you should do that. Just call, but call and just check in on folks because uh, the level of disappointment, if it's called tomorrow night, will be um, – I don't have a word. It will be, it'll be, it's going to be insane. So, Well, Ryan, uh, in other news, oil is at $35.99 as uh, – as I'm sitting here right now, uh, 3596 just updated. Yeah. So, Hey, I saw on Twitter the other day, I asked this question. If the election is not called, what do you think will happen with oil prices? So not, you know, like they're counting ballots and you know, it's like, it's just, inc- it's, they're, they're well, talking about it for I, a few days. What do you think will happen? I think it'll go down. They go down. I think it'll go down. Yeah. Just my, my thoughts are, it's going to be uncertainty while people wait. Cause what's going to happen if Trump's in or if Biden's in, it's going to be a different, um so plans people can't plan out appropriately and mm-hmm. regardless uh, depending on who's on in and who's out uh it's going to change kind of the the landscape of the industry uh at least you know 2021 so yeah i i'm torn because the stock market is like this does what it wants to do this year so you know, i you know we've got france and england and all these other lockdowns or partial lockdowns going on you would you would think that you know the price would be hurting a little bit more than what it actually is right now, but um, you know, would you you said to thirty five this morning? I think. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a 35. You know, I was posing the question the other day, is it going to go below 30? And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility right now. That it that if we have no. more UK shutdowns, lockdown, and stuff, yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's a real possibility. And you know, Biden reiterated on Friday or Saturday that national mask mandates are coming. You know, and and, and you know, he's tightening the grip if he wins. So getting below thirty again is not at, we're not out of the woods yet. So if they don't, yeah, if they don't call it, uh, hmm. The thought, of, the thought of uh, another lockdown here is um, yeah, it doesn't tickle my fancy at all. I, I don't look forward to that. That. I mean, do you think we're yeah, going to do that? Yeah, if they have another, if, if Texas locks down again, then I think you know we have to really question the come and take it mentality that Texas walks around and prides itself with. I think I think that's kind of, I think it's been, kinda, I think people came and they took it if we go on a statewide lockdown again. Well, yeah, and if they if they do, man, the the job market is going to take another hit. I mean, we're already in in bad shape with that. I, I mean, could you imagine more lockdowns here in the states? What that's going to do? I mean, uh, so we just got some good news out. Um, so there's an article that came out that says a glimmer of hope for Texas oil and gas jobs. So 700 oil and gas EMP jobs are added in September. Uh, it's first increase since the pandemic struck back in March. And, uh, and with that news, um, 2020 style, you're going to have new lockdowns getting implemented <laughs> uh, the very next week. So yeah. that's, uh, that's the way it goes, man. I, I, this was actually hopeful information. I mean, it goes on to say that they're not sure if this is going to last because they're thinking that U.S. oil production is going to stay around 11 million barrels per day through 2021. So. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I wonder. We talked about the rig count going up a little bit. I wonder how much that's you know just directly related to that. And you know, kind of joked with you know, is the rig count going up? You know, really a good thing right now, and the prices are suffering. So um, we'll have to see. But for those seven hundred folks who got jobs, hey, good for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually um, talked to somebody that um, they got laid off from Halliburton, and, and then Schlumberger um just just brought him on so uh he he was he didn't think he was gonna have something for a while but he ended up landing it so uh so it's happening uh people are out there let's see we have another article uh this one is emp plus cover story will big data shape recovery uh, so big data was a big talk last year where people were trying to deal with lower oil prices and figuring out how they can maximize some efficiencies. Well, now big data might be about, uh, it might be the way that some of these companies actually survive. Yeah, so uh, this interesting read through here. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if big data is really going to be what gets companies through this um, through this time, but there's certainly yeah. some opportunities there, some opportunities. For well, sales. I mean, I think we kind of, we kind of did that last time, right? We kind of talked about the big data and, you know, um, um, you know, and how that would kind of shape things. And so I think it's kind of started its, its, its infiltration into, um, into oil and gas, but, you know, just to save it, I think it's a little bit, what we'll save it is higher prices. Yeah. Higher prices will do it. You know, I, I wonder, um, I wonder, you know, remote operations. 
there was an aspect of that that was going on, but I'm sure that that is becoming a, a much bigger deal with, uh, you know, the current landscape. I wonder if that's going to be something that continues on, you know, through, you know, the foreseeable future, you know, for the next 20 to 25 years. Are they going to keep doing these remote operations? At some level, it saves trips, you know, gas and personnel, if, if you could figure a way to, to do, you know, to handle these things remotely, which at some level, you know, um, things have been moving more remote slowly over time, but it seems like there's a huge push for the remote operations now. Uh, and I just, I just wonder, I wonder how that's going to change the landscape of the industry uh, over the next five years. If they, if, if they're going to start really developing a lot more technology for um, ensuring these remote operations just to, prevent anything that's happened like this yeah maybe i think you know i think on some level well you know we're looking you know the, the cure is you know the, the cure is the price you know and it, it and so the big data and stuff like that i think they're all good things but if you look at um you know at least the part of the industry that i'm most familiar with the biggest cost is is you know at least again for the portion that i'm most intimately familiar with is changes you know, change, 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 change. How much of that can you eliminate? You know, maybe some, maybe not a lot. I don't know, but uh, obviously you can cut it back some, but you know, how much can you eliminate? And, um, you know, will that be done? And, and so, and, but then the flip side is you're not really incentivized to do the, to, to do things more efficiently when the price gets to a certain point. So, you know, as long as the price is low, I think companies are going to look for ways to, figure out um, you know, how to operate in this environment the best they can. But you know, if prices get back to 100, I think we have to realize that companies are going to go back to operate in the way they do when prices are 100. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the, we're talking about this, we're talking about, you know, the, 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 the Permian, the Eagle for, you know, the, the U.S. land. This is, this is different than what you're talking about with, you know, kind of offshore stuff. And so, uh, which is a little bit more, methodical and laid out well i think uh there's been some talk about moving away from uh you know i say moving away from the states transitioning to some other areas uh, globally so uh, there's an article that came out that said that the next oil and gas battleground for super majors is going to be the eastern mediterranean um, which includes a large stake in israel's biggest gas field and uh, that started production in December of 19. But the, the, what they're um, projecting here is that there's gonna be moves toward uh, some of these areas for natural gas and, and, some, um, and even oil. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how that's gonna play because there was a huge gas opportunity that was being explored with LNG and China and all of that. And I just was curious how all that's gonna play out now. Um, there's, definitely, there's definitely still plans with the facilities that they're building and uh, contracts that, that were in place with China, but even some of that may be in play, you know, that, that might be on the rocks. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, you know, some of the stuff from the past couple weeks with Exxon and Chevron, you know, um, they've cut the cap, the CapEx, the Permian, um, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do moving forward. This, 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 you know, this, um, the offshore stuff is a little bit more, um, stable as far as you know you're going to plan out multiple years in advance so um i think i don't know i think you know 
I think we're going to see a lot of mixed signals. You know, we, we were kind of surprised that we saw some of those M&A deals happening and they start happening. And we're like, okay, does that mean that these companies aren't concerned about an Biden administration moving forward? You know, um, and so I think, I think you're going to see a lot of mixed signals for, for quite some time because no one really has a grasp on, okay, so first off, we're recording this the day before the election. So it's kind of, this could all change tomorrow. But if, so if Biden wins tomorrow, I think the way the, the conversations are going to be completely different, right? Because yeah. the questions are: is what does the mask mandate look like? You know, look like. You know, what, what else will he be doing? You know, how strict will these measures be? How will that will impact travel? How will it impact colleges? How will it impact high schools? You know, so all those questions will start to get asked. Um, and, and you know, all that stuff impacts oil and gas. Um, you know, what about a fracking ban? So all those questions will start to come up. Uh, if, if Trump wins, um, then the questions will be different. If it's a contentious fight for a month, you know, uh, that will impact. So, so I think I think we're just at a time where companies are trying to make long-term plans. Uh, the U.S. land side of things is, is something that you can turn around pretty quickly if you need to. And so we're going to see a little bit more focus on the, you know, the offshore stuff where it's kind of a longer, slower play. And if you want to come back, you can come back and make your hay here. I don't think they're, uh, they're not pulling up their, their tents and going home. That's kind of my, my read on it because – it's it's really hard to figure out um, you know, what's going on and where it's going on because uh, we talked at the end of the show last week about France not wanting you know the U.S. LNG anymore. So you know is Chevron looking at that and is that impacting their decisions as well? Are they going okay? Well, if we have this LNG, we get this you know this gas from Israel, this Mediterranean Sea deal, and ship it somewhere. Well, could we maybe sell it to the French there? So I you know I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts of the world that's completely lost its mind right now. So you know, who knows? Yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, the uh, hopefully the listeners uh, enjoy some of the political talk because, I mean, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the oil and gas industry in Texas is uh, is is kind of anxiously waiting or eagerly waiting to see how this is going to respond. Um, at some level, it's going to be business as usual, but um, I think at a at a more profound level, there, there's a lot of strategy that's going on from these companies that is going to be determined by how this plays out. So unfortunately for, for us, we, we're kind of stuck um, as we make projections, uh, just really waiting on how this, see how this election plays out. Well, uh, yeah. And, you know, another thing, Josh, is let's be honest, it's not like the industry's thriving right now either. You know, it's no. not like it's, you know, on the upswing. Anas sent this out yesterday. I don't know if you saw it or not. Anas said, I think it was yesterday. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, he, he, he tweets a lot. Yeah. yeah. I might find it. Anyway, it's a few, maybe it's a few days back. But, anyways, he essentially said, oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, no, no, it's not. He said a few days back, something to the effect of, you know, if there are, yeah, here it is. If the lockdowns continue to the to end of December or January, the expected oil price recovery in the second half of 2021 is delayed until the first half of 2022. By then, it will be a stronger recovery. It will be a stronger recovery than earlier expectations. Regardless, do not count on hard oil. China will not allow it. So Anas is saying that, you know, if we have lockdowns through the winter, then the oil recovery that we're hoping for, um, maybe by the end of next year, we push back until the, the following year, 2022. So 
what's going to happen to the textile industry, you know, if, if that, if that's what we do see, you know? Um, and so uh, I think we're, you know, we had someone a while back want us to cover more oil and gas news and we'd like to cover more oil and gas news, but there's also the reality of this, this election we got to get through our, we got to get through to figure out what's going to happen next, you know? So, um, Joshua, I think that's it for today. Let's see here. Well, we, we, we got a oh, one oh, story oh. here. We talked about the Texas Democrats seat oil and gas regulating board could be their best chance of winning statewide in two decades. Um, mm-hmm. Combination of things there. Then this, I think this is the last story. We, we, we mentioned it. We hit it on a minute ago. They're pouring a lot of money into it, but they're saying that the, the, the Republican guy is um, very unknown and that the Democrat is a great candidate. So, um, by great candidate, I assume there's going to be points they're going to hit that uh, really resonates with some of the progressive left and uh, kind of like a, a Beto. Um, mm-hmm. And so th- they're saying it's just a perfect opportunity for Republicans, I mean, for Democrats to come in and snack a seat. Yeah. And uh, Exxon, uh, Exxon warns it might, it might have a $30 billion write down of shale uh, of, of XDO this year. ExxonMobil warned it might take a $30 billion in write-downs on natural gas field, uh, fields acquired more than a decade ago. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's, Exxon, they went from being on the Dow for the longest company ever to now they're, they're just absolutely taking a beating. And uh, Yeah, you know, so this time last year, XTO was, uh, well, uh, Exxon was the king of the hill, you know, uh, out here in mm-hmm. Texas, man, they were dominating, mm-hmm. absolutely dominating. And uh, I think they, they had a lot of eggs in the, in the Permian basket, uh, so to speak. Oh. And gosh, I forgot to include this. Did you see the Oxy um, CEO? What she uh-uh. said? Uh-uh. Yeah, let me pull up real quick. I forgot to put this in there. Oxy CEO says U.S. oil production will never see pre-pandemic levels. This is from World Oil. Um, America's oil production will never again reach 13 million barrels a day. Um, this is according to Holub. It's going to be difficult to replace. It's going to be it's just going to be too difficult to replace the two million barrels of production that we've had that we've lost and that and then to go further beyond that over the next three or four years there's going to be moderate restoration of production but not a high growth but not a high growth so she is essentially saying we ain't getting back 13 million barrels a day which means less jobs less activity stuff like that where it will fall i don't know but if she's right it's definitely not a good outlook for um that and she said she went on to say i expect we'll get to peak supply before we get to peak demand and so yeah we're not getting to peak demand anytime soon so anyways i meant to include that i forgot but uh yeah that's yeah. look but uh, yeah, yeah. I, i'll say this and i think uh, the final thing on all this is i think folks are generally more pessimistic about the long-term um outlook pool than i am um um you know if if we were alive post World War II or during World War II or the Korean War, I don't know what we'd have felt like. Maybe we'd have felt like or, or Great Depression. Maybe we felt like, oh my gosh, the world's never going back to Roaring Twenties. We bump past, you know. So if Roaring Twenties, you have Great Depression, World War II. Well, in that time period, you probably felt like you'd never go back to the Roaring Twenties. Well, we blew past the Roaring Twenties and didn't look back, right? So this kind of we won't go back to 
mentality is really a myth that's not based in reality. How quick we'll go back, now that's a different discussion. It may take three or four years or six months or I don't know. But, but the reality that we'll never go back is just is not true. This is not true. We have plenty of history to show us that we will not only go back, we will exceed all prior stuff, unless there is some kind of new energy that replaces oil and gas. But uh, economic growth, stuff like that, will we'll go back um, far beyond 2019, and we'll look back at those headlines and, and laugh at them. So um, I, will, I will say that, that. I think that that's just overly pessimistic. I don't know if you agree or not. And that's my thoughts. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, that, I, my thoughts are kind of the same. I, 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 she says we're not, we're not ever going to get back to those levels. It's like. Well, yeah. And so if we, if we don't get back to those levels of oil production, in the U.S., it's simply because the U.S. cannot produce that much oil. The, the need for the oil will be there. It's so, um, I, and so I don't know how she would, you know, balance that out. But I'm, I'm saying that people who say that you know the U.S. oil production, you know, uh, the oil market is done because you know we're never going back to pre-pandemic levels of, of demand. That's just not true. Um, you know, why we can't get back to those pre-product those pre-pandemic levels, you know, I don't know. But regardless. So it could be that, that, that we exceed demand, um, but the U.S., for whatever reason, just doesn't produce so much oil. That, that can happen. Um, I just think it's interesting that she thinks that, uh, that we're not going back. And so that's not good, especially for folks who, uh, you know, are trying to figure out if they want to, you know, keep working the oil and gas industry or they're trying to move on. You know, not, not a good sign. Yeah, it's tough. It really is. So anyways, all right, War Room newsletter. You go to warroommedia.com. Um, I will be in D.C. recording interviews, talking to people from by the White House today. Uh, I tried to knock on the front door, but they wouldn't let me in. I don't know why. I got to talk to Donald about that. Um, but you anyways, I will on? be... That'll huh? fix it. Put What's your mask that? on. That'll fix it. <laughs> Can't go yeah. in D.C. without the mask, bro. Put my ski, my, 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 uh, ski mask on with just the eyes only. Get my black trench coat. Walk in. That'll probably go well. I tell you what, I've seen my fair share of Secret Service agents today. So, um, you know, they are out and about. But um, anyways, so warmedia.com and uh, Josh, we'll be back next week, hopefully to talk about the next president and what they're going to do. At least what they said, because they declared victory on Tuesday night. But uh, I am definitely not holding my breath on that. Yeah, me either. Well, uh, y'all grab grab an uh, extra bottle of whiskey and uh, enjoy the day tomorrow. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Until next time, keep plumbing.